Whatever it is you want to do in life, you'll be able to do. It's always you versus you. That it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, you can achieve anything that you set your mind to. Spend the rest of your natural life waking up and going after it. This is my purpose, and you will not stop me. You are listening to Mojo Sports. Yeah, hello and welcome to Mojo Sports. This is the NRL show, episode 22. My name is Dan Frost, and as always, I'm joined by the best panel in the business. Uh, tonight, we've got Tasha and we've got Stacey. And guys, we've done it. You know, we've obviously worked our way through the 2021 NRL season, but the work doesn't stop here. We're very much excited about, you know, covering the game uh, throughout the offseason. And we're going to start with our team reviews. That is what a real champion is made of. We're a different footy team, and we've got a point of difference about us. This is the biggest moment in several of these players' football lives. Champion players, champion club. Yeah, and this week on the huddle, uh, we're going to be, well, we're going to be jumping through our reviews, and we're going to start with the Canterbury Bulldogs. Stacey, I'm going to start with you because... You know, I guess one of the things that we were speaking about off air is, you know, just the the dominant history that this club has, and and I think that's a little bit of a shame for some of our younger, um, for some of our younger fans, you know, who have sort of seen the Bulldogs struggle in recent years because, you know, it wasn't too long ago that that this team, it, it wasn't the fact that they were in finals every year, they were, they were competing for premierships most seasons. Yeah, definitely. And it, it does make you sad just to see how many loyal Bulldog supporters that they've been over the years. And you're exactly right. Like the new kids don't actually know, you know, where it all came from, you know, to think that, you know, and some of the best players in the game have come out of the Bulldogs, you know, Hazim Al-Masri, for example, you know, most capped, you know, highest point scorer, only eclipsed recently. You know, it, the club has a lot going for it. It's just fallen away by the wayside the last couple of years. And Stacey, well, let, let's jump into 2021 because, you know, there there are, unfortunately, the, the, the way that this game goes, there are a few coaching opportunities that do present themselves. And Trent Barrett, you know, he's obviously, this is his second time around. You know, he obviously he had, uh, you know, he had his attempt there at Manly and, and that didn't work out. But, you know, really went back to Penrith, re- reinvented himself as, I guess, this attacking offensive guru and really got those guys going. But, you know, he, he, he certainly took on a huge challenge here at Canterbury because, you know, there's nothing like an NRL rebuild. It's a, it's a huge job. Oh, I don't, I, don't think, I don't think Trent Barrett can say that he wasn't warned about the situation. Um, you, you know, so, you know, look, the dogs, they were not good this year. They were the wooden spoon um, and, you know, Trent Barrett's got a lot to think about. But at the same time, they were never going to get better this year. This year was, should have been all about the rebuild and preparing for next year. So I think the questions are around is the salary cap that they've got going to work for them and, and how Trent Barrett can sort of, you know, go back to that offensive weapon that, uh, you know, he's got that mind, he does. And, and I can't quite understand why, you know, his philosophy didn't quite come out this year. And, you know, there was rumours of disharmony with him in the playing group. So, you know, maybe it was more of an off-field incident, but, you know, he's got some work to do. Yeah, and Tash, I, I guess there, there are different types of rebuilds that we see. I mean, I'm a night supporter. I know them uh, a little too well, unfortunately. But to Stacey's point, this was really stripping it all the way back. I mean, you know, we're obviously looking at the departures list this season. And, I mean, it, it's it's a little bit of an exaggeration, but it's pretty close to say that basically, you know, he's Trent's basically flipped this roster. You know, he's pretty much let most of the boys go. And, uh, you know, he's bringing in a lot of new recruits, which we'll talk through shortly. But, 
yeah, this this was literally a complete rebuild from start to finish. Yeah, absolutely. And I think Trent had that in mind as early as, you know, round four, round five. I mean, the doggies didn't um, get a win until round seven. And so it seems to me that Trent right from the get-go wasn't looking then at this season. He's looking at next season and we've seen how many players he's let go, how many he's stripped back. We'll talk about the players that he's brought into the club. It's a total rebuild. Yeah, so let's jump into some of those players. So obviously this year a little bit disappointing, but next year, um, well, it, you know, it hopes to be a little bit different. So, you know, you've got some big signings. We've got Matt Dufty uh, coming into the club at fullback. We've got Braden Burns. Uh, we've got uh, Brent Naden coming in from the Penrith Panthers. We've got the Fox. We've got Josh Adokar, obviously a New South Wales hero, Australian kangaroo representative. And then we've got a, a little player by the name of Matt Burton who we'll circle back to because he has certainly made a name for himself within a 12-month period. Uh, we've got Paul Vaughan coming into the club. We've got a hooker coming in from the uh, from the South Sydney Rabbitohs in Joshua Cook. Uh, we've got Tavita Pangai Jr., Josh Asiata, and Max King from the Melbourne Storm, just to name a few. Stacey, let's go to the the, the man of the moment, uh, the player that, that I guess is getting the most attention at the moment, and that's Matt Burton. You know, I, I think, you know, this is probably one of their biggest wins as a club, the Canterbury Bulldogs, because... They took a chance on him. You know, they obviously came in pretty hard early with a contract before you really knew, you know, I mean, you knew Matt Burton was going to be a good player, but I don't think anyone knew he was going to be at this level. I mean, you know, we're hearing that that obviously they, they got him on quite a good deal and that's looking pretty good for the Bulldogs at the moment. Yeah, definitely. They definitely got him for half the price and, and for twice the amount of talent I thought that they were going to get. I mean, to have have a player come in to a new team having just won a premiership, um, can impart so much uh, wisdom, I guess, or, or just that sense of legitimacy. Look, hey, we've been here before. This is this is how it works. Like, don't get overshadowed by the big moments. But at the same time, he can always he can still talk to the journey that it took to get there. Yeah, and he he's a try scoring machine. And let's not forget um, that. He's Yeah, he's playing in the centres and scoring, scoring so well. But he's quite a very skillful ball player. His, his position is in the heart, well, in, in the number six. So well done. The Bulldogs have picked up um, some a real talent and quite, you know, a, as he said, stays half price. Yeah, there's And the- I think too, sorry, Dan, I think too that, you know, if, if they utilise Matt Burton in, a, in, in that half role, then that you know, kind of opens up a little bit of space for um, one of the young boys coming through, Aaron Aaron Shoop. Shoop debuted in round 13. He made 33 tackle busts. Like, I think he's got a little bit of potential, so that might be a, a good sort of shift around to put Matt in the halves. Yeah, look, it's going to be interesting to see him play. I mean, he's a, he's a very talented player, big body, uh, you know, has a massive kicking game on him. I don't think we've seen a junior come through with that sort of boot on him in a little while. So certainly got all the promise on him. But I think one of the things we've spoken about on other episodes is that it's one thing to play outstanding every so often. I, I think Matt was one of the more um, consistent players for the Penrith Panthers, had a remarkable season. But, you know, when you come to, the, to a club as kind of the key signing, you know, you have to play at an elite level week in, week out and sort of carry this football team. So there are there are a lot of concerns and people are predicting that Matt Burton's going to struggle in his first year at Canterbury. So, you know, it, it, it's going to be interesting to watch. There is a lot of talent there. Can he overcome it? I, I think, Tash, the key to it is going to be who, who partners him in that number seven jersey because that appears to be the missing piece in 2022. So... 
you know, I, I guess that the, the player that we're all perplexed with in terms of what Canterbury are doing with is Kyle Flanagan. I, I guess talk to us a little bit about, you know, that, that number seven jersey at Canterbury because that, that, that seems to be a bit of a missing piece there for them. Dan, that's exactly the, the, the point I was going to make is, yeah, you know, Matt Burton, fabulous, just came off a premiership winning team, try scoring machine. He's actually a ball player, but he's definitely a number six. I don't seem as that um, – I think he needs a good halfback. And, look, Kyle Flanagan um, – I just don't think he's the goods for him. I think Matt needs something better than that. Now, whether or not it's the fact that Kyle, you know, like he was selected, then he was dropped, he was selected, then he was dropped, and that can really mess with your head, and it, especially a halfback's head. So I'm not sure what the solution is there. You know, do you just bite the bullet and go, Kyle Flanagan, you're our number seven, or do you just go, no, and you go with someone else. I'm not sure. Yeah, it's 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 difficult with Kyle, isn't it? Because you feel like he's just had a little bit of a, a bit of a difficult start to his NRL career, and what, one of the unfortunate things is is he's being compared to, I guess, almost a generational talent in Nathan Cleary. So Trent Barrett has come from the Penrith Panthers system. Matt Burton's going to come from the Penrith Panthers system. I mean, not only, you know, and, and this was part of the challenge with, with Kyle uh, in terms of his history at the Roosters, getting compared to Cooper Cronk. I, I, I just feel like the uh, the measuring stick when it comes to Kyle has just been too high. And, and to your point, uh, Tash, he, he's just never had the love that he deserves. He's never been given a football team and say, look, rain, hail or shine, whether you have a bad game or two, we're not going to drop you. This is your team for an entire season. So I guess my only advice to Canterbury is, is it if it is Cole Flanagan next season, he has to play the entire year. You cannot keep dropping this kid because he's a confidence player. He may not be the most skillful player in the, in, in the world, but you need to build his confidence. And I guess that's easier said than done when you're not winning football games. But, you know, for me, if I was Kyle, I, I would... I would take a bit of an exit from Canterbury if, if I was him. And I'd, I'd, I'd jump over there to UK. We've seen... Some of those players like Lachlan Coote, I think he just I think he just recently won his third consecutive um, grand final over there. Go over there, get used to winning, and maybe return, such as a Jackson Hastings. But, um, yeah, that halves um, puzzle uh, is certainly one that Trent Barrett's going to have to figure out. And I think it's the one of the two things, uh, Dan, you just nailed it. You either say, yes, Carl Flanagan, and we're sticking with you, and we give you the love, and we give you the confidence, and you will be there. This is your team. Or... For Kyle's own growth, go over to Super League, get given a team, grow that confidence and come back the player that you know you can be. So it's one of two ways I think that um, that Trent Barrett needs <laughs> to work out which one he's going to take. And I think too, like as as coaches and um, as teachers, like we, we know that people learn by a sense of pattern recognition and it must be so hard for Kyle to, I mean, the the seeing of the game and understanding of the game takes a lot of reps to see what success looks like. And I don't think he's ever been used long enough in a team and had as much success to see what patterns of recognition of success look like. And I think that that's, that's a real struggle for him. So I'm completely on board with what you guys are, about, are saying about him going over to the UK. Yeah. And I think some of his limitations are not surprising to you. That That's what perplexes me a little bit. The things that Kyle doesn't do well, 
you should know that about his game. It's not like he goes out there and makes crazy errors or you know makes makes you know significant error upon error. That's not his game. He just doesn't quite have the ceiling as some of the other players at the moment. So no, look a little bit of a confusing one. Stacey, a player that I want to bring to your attention and someone that could change things uh, for Canterbury is Matt Dufty. You know, it, it, again, it's a very confusing situation with Matt because he has all of the talent in the world, and here he is at, a, at I guess, a crucial, uh, I guess, crossroads in his career where he's on a prove-it deal, one-year deal there with Canterbury. And I guess some of the things we were talking about off-air is, you know, he's just got to go in there and just hunt the football all year, every year. And if he does that, I mean, the sky's the limit in terms of Matt Dufty in terms of what he can do in attack. I mean, I loved watching him when he was with the Dragons. You know, I had the pleasure of meeting him a couple of times. I had the pleasure of interviewing him a couple of times, watching his old touch football tape, like, you know, his nine series. It made me so excited to have this young gun, you know, kid out that could just run as fast as a whippet, you know. But unfortunately, what we started to realise about Matt Dufty was he would take plays off in the times when you didn't need him to take a play off. It was either he didn't get up there in the defensive line, he wasn't hunting around the ruck, he wasn't organising, you know, the defence line very well. So, I mean, that, and that was just disappointing to watch. Yeah, I agree. Like, I think he's a great talent, but then all of a sudden he's just not there. So I think what Trent needs to do with this, um, with the, the team next year is really, really coach. Not just think they've got it, but really coach and really get on players like Dufty and say, watch this footage of Pappenhausen. Paps is always there. He's he's there 10 times, he might get it twice. But, mate, he's there 10 out of 10 times. And I think that's what Dufty has to do with his game. Yeah, and no, I'm excited to see what Trent does because it's a, definitely a new toy for him to work with. You know, Trent's a bit of an offensive mind and, you know, Matt's got all the raw, raw talent in the world. It's just, um, you know, that there's a lot to the fullback position. I think it's become more and more complex. You know, you're running a you're running an entire football team there. You, you're sort of getting your defensive structures in place as well. Your communication's got to be on point. So while whilst he is a, a massive attack through the ruck in terms of his speed, definitely needs to add a few more um, skills to his arsenal this year, but certainly something that I think he can do. Um, guys, one of the things uh, you know that, that this club has had a little bit of fun poked at it is, is I guess, all of the outside backs that they have signed. I mean, you know, for me, I, I guess I, I don't have a big problem with a club building depth. You know, you've got Nick Cottridge, uh, you've got Braden Burns, Jake Averillo, I think will slip back into the centres, Brent, uh, Brent Naden, Josh Adokar, got all these players, but... I guess one of the things they need to do is they need to start building combinations. So I think part of the criticisms coming from the fan base is, look, again, we don't have problems with depth. There are injuries and things like that. But one of the things we would like to see in 2022 is start establishing some combinations on edges and things. So um, I I guess one of the things we will see is a really tough, Stacey, a really tough preseason as these boys fight it out because, yeah, it's going to take some doing to get into the 17 when it comes to those outside back positions. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, you look at this team and, and it, it does look unbalanced. You know, I see speed on speed, a quite a dynamic forward pack, but there's like, like, again, I feel like there's not enough decision-making or organization. Um, so coming up with those sorts of, those combinations, like you think of some of these names and you go, how, like, how are these two players going to work? Like, is it a situational thing? Is it a matter of bringing some off the bench at certain times? Like, I don't know how they're going to do it, but it's like they've got specialists at these areas when they need to be building a a combination specialty. Tash, one thing I've got for you, which I just wanted to throw to you is, 
when you're doing a complete rebuild, I, I guess we all know the basics, right? You, you need to rebuild the spine. You need to rebuild your one, your six, your seven, and your nine. One of the challenges that we are seeing with some of the issues in the pathway system, and we'll talk more about that in a second, because their big signing of Phil Gould is going to be huge in terms of addressing this issue, because one of the things the fan base is screaming out is, where are these superstar juniors? You know, that is something that Canterbury have been known for. So we, there should be, there's no reason why Canterbury shouldn't be bringing through two, three superstar kids each and every year, and hopefully that's something Phil Gould can address. But in terms of the rebuild, a one, a six, a seven, and a nine, it just appears that one of the challenges that Trent has is you cannot replace all four positions in one year. So is Matt Dufty going to be the long-term fullback there at Canterbury? Time will tell. I think they've got a long-term six. Well, I know they've got a long-term six six in Matt Dufty. Uh, uh, sorry, in uh, in Matt Burton. I, I guess the seven and nine, that's still to be figured out. But um, to Stacey's point, an unbalanced team. The spine still isn't settled. A ton of outside backs, and we'll get to the forwards in a second. Um, a little bit, a little bit of an interesting situation here at Belmore. Yeah, it sure is. And and where are the kids coming through? If they're coming through, who's signing them? Who's taking them? Why aren't they hanging on to them? But back to your point, um, Dan. Yeah, they've bought an incredible outside backpack, um, if if you can say that. Um, but where are the forwards? And I know we're going to get to talk to that in, in, in a moment, but even if, to Stacey's point, even if you do start to build combinations and you do get, um, you know, settled positions in these outstanding backline that, that's been bought, then they're going nowhere if they're on the back foot. So where are those forwards? Yeah, look, it's a really good point because what Canterbury have to do next year is they have to win the ruck for Matt Dufty. I mean, if you're going to get the best out of him, you cannot be playing off the back foot. You've got to be moving forward. The number nine position, I mean, you've got Jeremy Marshall uh, King there. You know, you know he's, a, he's a good player, but, you know, in terms of where the game's going at the hooker position, you know, some concerns around there. So, again, as most rugby league conversations turn to, the key will be the forward pack because you can have all these strike weapons. Hopefully Trent's able to sort out his spine, but they need to go forward. So let's dig into that forward pack. So, I guess one of the things that uh, has been apparent is that Josh Jackson, Luke Thompson, their new signing touch, they have worked their backsides out in defense. You know, they, they, they're tackling themselves into exhaustion week in, week out. But, you know, one of the things that is, is apparent is Canterbury just struggled to score points. So a player that obviously we did want to um, highlight is Tavita Pangai Jr., who will bring a bit of an X factor. I mean, I've said in past episode, there's no reason why... Tavita can't be the best player in the competition. He's just obviously had a difficult run up there in Brisbane, but talk to us a little bit about his stint there at Penrith because maybe maybe that's a circuit breaker that he needs um, as, as a player. Yeah, look, Tavita Pango Jr., why isn't he outstanding? I don't know. Is it a confidence thing because he was in you know, Penrith and they were saying, well, mate, if, you don't, if you're not this good, then... We can afford to keep you there, in which case it could be a confidence thing. Or is it a maturity thing? Um, I'm not too sure. He should be a lot better player than what he he has shown us more recently, Um, and I hope he does for the doggies. I hope he slips in at number 13, gets confidence, get maturity, and and really uh, links up well in that team. And And I think it just comes to – sorry, Dan. I think it just comes down to his maturity level. I mean, it's his inconsistencies when he sees things that he doesn't know how to come up against when in reality he's big enough just to run over the top of people. I think that he's like – he's had to play a couple of roles in his career and he's still kind of figuring out exactly what his role is going to be and and what his identity is going to be. 
you know, I think part of the part of the thing with Tavita is, I, I guess the reason why we're so harsh on him and, and he gets so much criticism is because we know he's got ten out of ten performances in him. Um, I guess the challenge for Tavita is sometimes he has three out of ten, four out of ten. You know, it, it's it's just narrowing the gap. We we don't need you to be ten out of ten every week. You know, maybe it's eight, maybe it's nine, but we need that every single week. That's what it means to be an NRL professional. And I think that's going to be the thing that's most important for the Bulldogs. And one of the things I think we got from his Penrith experience is they simplified his role as well. They didn't overcomplicate it. He was part of an entire system. So I guess the only concern that I've got is that I just hope that he doesn't feel like he needs to carry this team because I felt like that's that's where Tavita was when he was up in Brisbane, which led to him trying to do too much, which led to more errors, more poor performances. So um, plenty of work there to do. All right, Stacey. Well, you know, I guess there's no sitting on the fence. We've got we to sort of project our way forward. And, you know, we'll revisit the Canterbury Bulldogs as well throughout the off-season. But in terms of where we're feeling at the moment, what's your prediction for them going into next season? I mean, this team is so, like, star-studded with players. Like, we haven't even spoken about Josh Adokar. Like, um, you know, his role is going to be pretty massive. Is he going to, you know, and exactly to your point about what you said about Tavita is, you know, we, you don't want Josh Adokar to have to feel like he has to carry the team, um, you know. So I feel like if he doesn't take on that role and he does get some space, like he could definitely, he, uh, he adds that X factor, which the fans are dying for. Um, but again, like, you know, their halves combinations and, and that sort of stuff is the biggest area of concern. If they don't sort them out, they're just going to be a, like a team of really well, you know, NRL playing athletes, not a team, if that makes sense. And they have to be a team to be able to, to have a successful season. And so what, yeah. what, what's, your, what's your spot on the ladder? Where are you thinking? Oh, man. Ponder it. Tash, what, 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 what about yourself? Where, where is this team headed uh, in 2022? At the start of this season, in the, in the 2021, they were predicted to finish 11th and they ended up 16th. And not just 16th, like they were, you know, 14 competition points and 300 differential points outside the top eight. So it's really hard for me to go, wow, they've bought some really shiny backs. They're going to, you know, make the top eight. No, I don't think they, they, they will. It is a thorough rebuild. They have to get those combinations right. They've got to get the forwards there before the backs can be all shiny. So I, I'm saying, like, they're 10th. Yeah, and, and look, for me, I, I reserve the right to change Throughout the off-season, it's a long off-season, um, but a team that doesn't have their halfback sorted, I've still got question marks around their hooker. The Phil Gould, who is their best signing, you know, the, the advantages from that are going to come over the next sort of five years. It's certainly not going to help them next year. I see back-to-back wooden spoons, you know, and, and, I, and I hope that fires them up. I hope that, you know, again, there's a lot of new faces that are going to be coming in there without the battle scars of the last few seasons, but I just see a very unbalanced squad. I see back-to-back wooden spoons here for the dogs. Just a bit... To come back, Dan, I thought I was being harsh with 10, but wow, you, you've really taken it away. Oh, yeah. Well, Haven't missed them. Haven't missed them. Stace, what about yourself? Yeah, look, it's kind of like I'm going to sit in between both of you just to play it nice because I actually don't think that they're going to do any any better than what Tyra said around 10th, and I actually think it's highly possible they could finish with another wooden spoon. I'm going I'm to give them a couple of games grace just because they do have – that talent that might surprise us. And I think it might be like a couple of the games that you just don't expect them to win where they'll bust out and you'll go, what is this? Is this a sign of things to come? 
Um, so I'm going to sit in at, at the 12. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And, and I guess just, just one last thing on the dogs is as excited as I am to uh, see all their new signings, I want to see the juniors. That That's the thing I'm going to be, you know, we all know the COVID situation, the impact it's had on some of the lower competitions, but if we can see the kids coming through, I think that will give some positive signs there to the Bulldogs. All right, guys, well, let's jump into our next segment for tonight, the match. The most anticipated match in history, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, let's get ready to rumble. Yeah, and this week in the match world, we have two of the absolute greats in the fullback position. Tash, we have the great Billy Slater, current Queensland coach, coming up against, well, the modern-day great in James Tedesco for the Sydney Roosters. I mean, we're going to power through this but because, you know, these two are the absolute greats, and uh, it's, it's, a, it's a very difficult split this week. Yeah, it sure, it sure is, but... Look, I love Billy. I love his smile. The only thing I don't love about Billy is Queensland. He is Queensland. Um, So I'm going to go with Tedesco, not just because Billy's a Queenslander, but I think Tedesco, the consistency, the player that he is, he's still doing it, and he can literally play any position and be outstanding in any position. Stace, one of the things that I think Billy can be credited for is changing the way in which the fullback position was played. I I think there's been some amazingly athletically gifted fullbacks in the past. We always knew that that was what it took to, to, to be a fullback, but you know, Billy brought this whole new modern way approach of playing the game. He, he, he became that third playmaker. He was part of that block shape revolution where, you know, the passing game became so important, but I mean, Billy was going out there and, and, and he's, his passing game, I mean, it was it was it was better uh, or, or or as great as some of the best playmakers in the game. Yeah, definitely. And you know, it's it's going to be Billy for me. It's still Billy for me, and I think it's going to be Billy until the new generation of fullback, whatever that looks like, comes out with. I mean, you know, like you said, he redefined how a, a modern day fullback should play, and you know, he's been a coach on the field for years for Queensland anyway, so it's no surprise to see him. You know, with the head coaching role, it's going to be interesting for sure. Um, but it kind of just begs the question for me, like, what does Tedesco have to do to prove his worth more? Like, I think Teddy is is definitely on par with Billy in terms of, like, his ball playing, his creativity, and definitely his support play. He's definitely a little, like, a, a different body type to Billy. Runs more metres than Billy, that's for sure. Um, but you know, what else does he have to do? Like, will Tedesco, I, I, I don't think Tedesco's redefined the game. And I think that that's how you have to separate these two because Slater did it first. Yeah, Tasha, I, I'm, and if, you know, a few things more on Slater. I think, you know, one of the things that we can be a little bit critical of with, with some of the modern day fullbacks is they float in and out of the games. That never happened with Billy Slater. He he was one of the most hardworking professional sports people I've ever seen on a football field. You know, he was, he was always in and around the ball. He was always there as an option in attack. He was, he was screaming, always organizing the defense. I mean, Cooper Cronk talks about how exhausting it was to play with Billy because he was always shouting for the ball. He was always, he was always an option. I mean, at that, that level of enthusiasm and that level of fitness, I mean, it just, uh, you know, it, it's quite remarkable. And Tash, let's take it back because, Billy didn't have it all his own way coming through. He wasn't the big star coming through. He was a he was a tiny little jockey. I mean, Billy Slater's story. I mean, it just 
it really does inspire the next generation to say, look, if you put the work in, regardless of height, size, you know, you can you can go down as one of the greats. Yeah, he sure he actually he struggled to make it. Um, was it with uh, the doggies? Was it another Brisbane, another Brisbane reject? Yeah, so yeah. Uh, Broncos fans, yeah. Broncos, right. Um, yeah, so he struggled, but the tenacity of the young man and the the mental strength that he has, and you talk about how he's always on, and he, he is as, as a fullback. Um, so he brings that energy to the team, and I know Cam Smith said, God, it's exhausting playing beside him because he's always, like, on the ball, on the ball, and, um, you know, always there 100%. But, wow, what a sort of energy he's going to bring to the role of State of Origin coach up there for Queensland. I tell you what, as a New South Welshman, I'm a bit worried. Yeah, no, it's uh, he's uh, he's an absolute uh, special player. And I guess, you know, just, just the last thing on Slater, Stacey, is, you know, one of the things we, we recognise with him, he changed the game. He was absolutely, you know, he was, a, he was an absolutely phenomenal talent. But the other thing, too, is he was a winner. You know, he was part of eight series wins for Queensland like Tasha that hurts me to say uh you just expected them to win when Billy Slater was on the field but you know his grand final record could have been a little bit different because he played all up he played eight grand finals won four lost four had two stripped away but I, I still count that as four premierships win so four and four but you know a, f- a few things go a little bit different as we know on grand final day and I mean he could have a few more rings and either way it is an absolutely stunning CV oh definitely and and could he have eclipsed Tom Brady's record of seven championships? I mean, it's entirely possible, right? But when you're playing for a Queensland squad, I know it just, I just, I just feel wrong saying it, but when you're playing with a Queensland squad with JT, Greg Inglis and Billy Slater, like how was that never not going to win? You know, and, and I was pretty young when Billy was coming through and, uh, you know, I just remember my pop being like, it's Billy the kid, you know, and, you know, you'd look at it and go, who's Billy the kid? But he actually was, he still has the face of a child and he's 38 years old. The man hasn't aged. It's crazy. Yeah, no, he's, uh, <laughs> that's definitely, definitely the case. Well, all right, Tash, well, let's jump over to Teddy, uh, James Tedesco, because again, he is our modern day great. And I, and I think sometimes we, we take for granted some of the elite talent in our game. It's like, oh yeah, Tedesco's just doing Tedesco things, but hang on a second. This, this isn't normal. And potentially this, this, this could be something that we're not going to see for quite a while because, Yes, there are players in the competition that can have a 10 out of 10 performance like Tedesco, but again, you come back to consistency, which is what Tedesco's built his game of. He is great week in, week out, whether that's for the Roosters, whether that's for New South Wales, whether that's for Australia. I mean, it's incredible how he's able to get himself up each and every week. Yeah, that's the thing he has going. I mean, I talk about how his ball-playing ability um, is amazing and he can come into the, into you know, the number six quite easily and I'll show that a little bit later on when we're talking. Um, but his consistency is outstanding. And, you know, Stace, when you were saying what does Tedesco have to do to be the best, you know, I, I started scratching my head saying what more can he do? Like what does he need to improve? And... Honestly, I can't come up with what he has to do to be the best because exactly. there's nothing and, that can improve. You know, we've had this discussion as well. It's like you're comparing Tedesco and, and Tommy Turbo. Again, like out of those two, like it's hard to split them when you're talking about great fullbacks, but like there's literally nothing more that James Tedesco can do. Is he forever going to be the bridesmaid? Like, and that's just sad. 
Uh, well, I, th- I think his longevity and it's winning, you know. I think that's uh, that's obviously something that he can do. But at 28 years of age, you know, it's, uh, you know, but I mean, he's in a great club there at the Sydney Roosters. So who's to say he can't go on an absolute uh, tear and uh, and slowly catch up to, to Billy Slater? But one of the things I just did want to touch on with Teddy uh, before we move on is the bravery, Tasha, of his decision earlier on in his career. Because one of the things I, I do question is... What would life have looked like for James Tedesco had he have stayed at the West Tigers? Now, here is a guy who had a bit of a different path than Billy Slater because James Tedesco was the the schoolboy superstar. He was a kid that had absolutely all the talent in the world, but you know the injuries that hit him, you know that that was obviously quite devastating. And then, you know, you just got a sense that he he knew that he was never going to reach his potential there at West Tigers, and you know that that's probably a difficult pill for that club to swallow. Yeah, it sure was, um, especially uh, like uh, my brother played for the Tigers, so I've got a, a, a very soft spot for um, the Tigers. But, yeah, Tedesco, he must have known something, that he wasn't going to hit his straps there. Um, cast your mind back, Dan. There was a young kid, you know, waiting in line for the fullback position behind Tedesco that actually left the Tigers as well. And that young kid is Pappenhausen. So, you know, the Tigers had two of the possibly best fullbacks. Um, yeah, no, it's, go. Unfortunately, so. it's unfortunately it's been a little bit of a brand for them and hopefully something they can address. But, you know, the other point I think, you know, part of the departure too is connecting with Trent Robinson and and what he has done for for Teddy's career, you know, obviously it's something that um, you know he's spoken about quite a few times. But yeah, I, I think you know, same with Slater, you know, obviously having Craig Bellamy, it just it's uh, you know it, it, it's not a coincidence that these all time great players connect with all time great coaches. You combine those two and and look what we see. All right, guys, well, no sitting on the fence. Tash, you spoke a little bit earlier about your your pick there. Let's just recap that again. I'm going to stick with Tedesco. I love Tedesco. And now I'm thinking, what more does he have to do? I think he's got the longevity. And check his run metres. And he's still there doing it week after week. Teddy Tedesco for me. Yeah, no, that's right. 200 running metres every week. Uh, like it's nothing. It's uh, pretty pretty incredible. Well, I've, I've actually, yeah, you know, New South Wales, again, it's hard to say, but I've got to go with Billy Slater. Um, yeah, for all the reasons that we spoke about. And uh, the little bit of a scary thing is, again, what we spoke about um, earlier in the show is that he's just accepted the job as the head coach for the Queensland Maroons. So he is, um, well, he's definitely, uh, the, you know, the Queensland's versions of, of Freddie Fittler. He's going to bring a newfound passion, um, you know, to that squad. And that's a little bit scary. I think, you know, there's been a lot of uh, fun poked at the Maroons over the past, you know, couple of seasons. But if you really dig deep, there are some absolute superstars there in that team. And, you know, you, you put them under the mentorship of Billy Slater. And, uh, yeah, that's going to be pretty scary. Um, Stacey, well, round us out. We're one for one. We've got one Billy Slater. We've got one T- Tedesco. You can be the deciding vote tonight. Uh, who is the better fullback in your opinion? Oh, look, it always comes down to this. It's it's me versus Taj all the time, and I'm going to have to go with Slater. Sorry, Taj. Tedesco is doing Tedesco things. Um, but it's exactly like you said, you know, he's he redefined the game. He's the best fullback that's ever played in the modern era. Um, it's going to be a long time before we see another Billy Slater come around. And, and, you know, hearing about, you know, Slater getting that Queensland Maroons gig, it's going to be like so – I actually got like a little bit – super excited to watch Freddie Fittler and Billy Slater kind of hash it out from a coaching standpoint. Like I think from a strategy perspective and the way they're both going to coach the teams is going to be fascinating. And whether that, I mean, you don't want to say it, 
bless New South Wales. But if they win, like, it's going to be interesting to see the kind of team that they're going to have. All right, guys, well, let's jump into our final segment tonight, uh, Rapid Fire. And we're going to talk all about that and a whole bunch of other things. What you need to know tonight. Sincere apologies to Matt Damon. We ran out of time for him tonight. We'll get him on the air again soon. So okay. Oh, my boss is singing closing time. Maybe that's what you're doing. Yeah, and this week on Rapid Fire, we're continuing with our way too early predictions for the Australian Kangaroos team that will run into the World Cup next year. Uh, last week, we spoke a little bit about our spine. And this week, guys, we're jumping into our outside backs. Tash, going to start with you. Who is your two, three, four, and five for the Kangaroos? Okay, I'm going with Brian To'o at two. Uh, in the centres, I'm going Latrell Mitchell. And I know Matt Burton might be playing number six throughout next year, but I'm still putting him in the centre pairing at number four. And uh, number five, on the other wing, I'm putting Pappenhausen. That is uh, quite a good list. And the reason why I like it so much, I think we've, and we did not compare notes, We've, I think we've got nearly the exact same group. I've got Brian Toto. Uh, can we just take a second to appreciate what this guy's doing? I mean, it's it's a little different. This this guy is something special. If he, if he can hold his form next year, I think he's one of the first players picked for the Kangaroos. Uh, number three, Latrell Mitchell. Um, I've spoken about it in a few episodes. Um, if he's not uh, one of the favourites for Daily M next year, I don't know. He's going to go on a revenge tour like we haven't seen. You think Tommy Turbo was special this year? You wait till Latrell Mitchell, uh, yeah, hits the ground running next year. Um, number four, well, Turbo, Turbo Tom. Yeah, I think uh, you know a lot of eyes are going to be on him as to whether he can back it up. I mean, let's be honest, if he can get to 70% of what he put out this year, um, he'll be there as well. And a little bit of a bolter for me, um, and I agree with Tasha, is Ryan Pappenhausen. I think we've got to factor in the fact that another year of football is going to be played uh, and him at his absolute best. I think you've just got to squeeze him in. You've got to find you've got to find a spot for him. And uh, Toto, Mitchell, Travojevic, Pappenhausen, that is, that, that is some back line. Uh, Stacey, what about yourself? Yeah, I've, I've got a similar but a little bit different. I've gone with Brian To'o as well, obviously. I mean, how can you not? Um, I've gone with Zach Lomax. And, you know, I'm not talking right now because right now the Dragons have a bit of a problem. But Zach Lomax has such a high ceiling and he's just he's just got some great potential. And I think given the right circumstances and the right players around him, um, he could do some great things. So I've also got Latrell Mitchell in at the centres as well. Um and then I'm following it up with Josh Adokar and the pairing between him and Mitchell, I think, is just chef's kiss. Um, you know, it's a, it's a nice thing to have. So that's, that's mine. All right, guys. Well, look, that's all the time we have. Uh, thank you to my amazing panel. Always bringing the heat as we talk all things rugby league. And to our listeners, we hope you enjoyed today's episode and stick with us throughout the off-season. We have so much content planned for you guys. Really excited about the off-season and uh, blink before you know it, uh, we'll be there into the 2022 season. And if you did enjoy uh, today's episode, please download the podcast. Continue to do that. That really helps support the network. And find us on social media. We're available on all platforms. And until next week, we'll see you then. Time.